0: Hi, go to Apple Podcasts right now and leave us a review. Like listener Glam underscore Lam. They wrote, I found this show informative and entertaining. The host, that's me, she gets to the point with fashion news and fun info, waiting for more interviews because I really want to learn about getting jobs in the fashion industry. Don't you worry, Glam Lam, I got more interviews coming. Writing a nice little review helps other listeners find the show, so thank you. And we're currently at 4.8, I believe, so you know, five stars. <laughs> On Instagram, Oprah Magazine posted their July cover image and in the photo, Oprah is holding a tray of yummy cocktails and the cut, the magazine, the website, the cut, they memed the photo and posted it on their Instagram where each cocktail was labeled with presumably a good habit. So one cocktail was labeled eight hours of sleep. Yes. One cocktail was labeled healthy relationships, of course. And the other was labeled Inbox Zero. I do not aspire to Inbox Zero. It's not a part of my productivity plan. But in the show notes, I have linked some resources for those of you hoping to achieve that Inbox Zero life. And maybe you'll be as productive as our guest today, Kayla Greaves. Kayla Greaves is the fashion and beauty features editor at Bustle.com. Her work focuses on the intersection of women's issues, culture, beauty, and fashion. Kayla's interviewed Lupita Nyong'o, Naomi Campbell, Kelly Rowland, just to name a few. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today. Hi. Hi. So we have Kayla Greaves on the Fashion League podcast today. She's an award-winning journalist who's currently at Bustle. She's the fashion and beauty features editor there, and she's worked at so many great places. (laughs) Her work has been featured in Teen Vogue, Elle, Blavity, and today we're just going to talk about career and have a fun little chat at the end. Yeah so what are you up to these days?
1: I am up to working, writing, strategizing, thinking of what I can do next and sleeping when I can. Sleeping when you <laughs> Catching can. up on my reality
0: TV when I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. First, Oprah recently posted this Instagram where she was holding a cocktail tray and a lot of people have been reposting this thing where they featured inbox zero as one of their goals. Yes. I find that a little troubling. I don't Hope to reach the inbox zero. Is inbox zero one of your goals in life? I actually love a clean inbox. Yeah? I do. I try
1: to make my inbox go down to zero by the end of each day. Each day? That's that's one of my goals that I try to do. I don't always get it done, but I try.
0: What do you? Are you actually reading and responding or are you categorizing? What is your process in each day it to depends. get to that goal?
1: depends. I will probably honestly take about... 10 seconds to skim through each email if there's a lot going on but a lot of times the subject line if the subject line is interesting and it makes sense for me then I'm going to take the time to read it if it's not or if it's something that's there's so many emails that we get sometimes that have nothing to do with our beat and what we cover even just like at all like sometimes I'll get pitches for cars and so I just I can't read that.
0: Has that always been your personality like growing up I'm taking on this task so this is what I'm going to do?
1: Definitely I've always been somebody who has to finish what they start Mm -hmm. all the
0: time. So what is something like that? For instance, did you always know that you wanted to work in journalism? Did you always know that you wanted to work in media?
1: I always knew I wanted to work in media. Like I remember watching Entertainment Tonight with my mom when I was—I mean, for as long as I can remember, I was watching it. And I was like, I'm going to work in media one day. I didn't specifically know where I wanted to go. At first, I thought for a long time I wanted to do music, Mm -hmm. then I wanted to do entertainment more broadly— and then beauty just made more sense for me, so I just kind of went into that. And there's a lot of, like, entertainment tie-ins with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Toronto. Toronto. As you can tell, my Raptors jersey. Yes! <laughs> I know we had
0: a little... I don't watch basketball. <laughs> I, I'm six foot almost and people just automatically assume that. I'm. No, I'm sorry. I, I knew it was happening. I knew it was I'll happening. i for knowing that it was happening. Thank you thank, <laughs> you. thank you. Thank you. So do you draw from your experiences growing up in Toronto for some of your ideas of what to work on next?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I grew up and I was in a predominantly white town. I was one of one. Mm-hmm. Most of the times. Um, and so, you know, back in the 90s and early 2000s, we didn't see diversity and beauty the way that we see it now. And so, for me, a lot like I grew up thinking I'm hideous, I'm ugly, there's something wrong with my oh, hair, there's no. something wrong with my skin. Guys, she's so yeah. gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> Look. <laughs> But that's what I really thought because I didn't see anyone who looked like me and everybody around me was telling me that everything was wrong with me. So now with a lot of the work that I do, it's really focused on primarily black women, also women of color, and just like anybody who's been marginalized or made to feel like they've been othered or that they're not pretty. So that's really like been my focus. And I think my experiences growing up as a child, it sucked in the moment, of course, to feel like that. But now... Being an adult and looking back at it, it really propelled me to do what I'm doing now in my career.
0: So what was your first job in media?
1: So my first job in media, I worked at a magazine in Toronto called Urbanology Magazine. It was, um, they're an entertainment magazine. They still exist. My Print? Print, yeah. And they print. still exist. Print. I don't know. I'm not sure if they still do print, but they're definitely online on digital. Okay. And uh, a woman named Priya took me on and, like, kind of took me under her wing, and I still talk to her today. And so that was really, like, my first kind of intro into it, and I just, like, loved it, and I wanted to do more of it.
0: So you say Priya took you on. Was she, like, a mentor? Because that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. A lot of people focus on getting a mentor, and yeah. they follow people on Instagram, and they immediately try to DM you and see... How can I pick your brain? Like, did you have a mentor besides Priya, and how yeah. did she?
1: I think it's hard to say because a lot of the people who are my mentors were really my friends. Okay, it was you know like I met Priya and I she was the, she's the EIC of the of that magazine, or she may have changed the role within now, but at the time she was the EIC of the magazine. And she was like she I respected her as like a boss and an authority figure. But at the same time, she was so personable I could talk to her all the time. And I just learned from her by watching her and then talking to her and listening, listening to all the things that she said and taking all of her advice. You know, other mentors of mine are just kind of people I've met along the way. And we just kind of got along and they gave me advice. I gave them advice. It's kind of like a give and take thing. And I look to them for career advice.
0: So there wasn't anyone that you reached out to? It was just something that happened naturally? Yeah,
1: and I think that's the biggest thing with mentorship is I think it needs to, like, any relationship, it should always be organic. I think the the phrase picking your brain can be really triggering for a lot of people, (laughs) and they just automatically shut down. It sounds violent. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot, and on top of it, like, people don't necessarily have time to do those things. And it's not that they don't want to, but you're very busy when you work in media. So I think if I could give advice to to people who are just trying to break into the industry, I wouldn't necessarily try to pick someone's brain. I would try to just have a conversation with them. But also when you're trying to approach somebody with a conversation, if you decide to DM them, you need to be very specific with what you're looking for. Sometimes I'll get DMs and people just say, oh, I want to work in fashion or I want to work in beauty. And I don't really know how to help you when you are just so general with what you're saying.
0: Because sometimes people don't know. Right. I don't
1: know you, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, if you're saying, I want to work in beauty, it's like, okay, lots of people want to work in beauty. But like, what specifically do you want to talk about? What specifically do you want help with or do you want advice with?
0: I think sometimes the person reaching out, they don't know. So like all they see is the Instagram, the glossy images on whatever magazine they like to read. Exactly. Exactly. And do more research, I guess, is the yeah. takeaway.
1: I definitely search
0: before you reach out.
1: There you go. Mm-hmm. Like I think you definitely need to know what it is that you want mm-hmm. before you reach out to other people for help. Mm-hmm. You need to figure that out completely on your own first. And you, in order to do that, you have to intern. You have to volunteer places. You have to freelance, perhaps. And in, in, in those settings, you will meet people who will naturally become your mentors.
0: How many internships did you do? before i didn't do
1: that many i didn't really intern per se i kind of freelance my way into it Okay. i would say because i worked with upscale magazine i worked with another magazine in florida and with upscale magazine it was like a woman who just saw i think she just saw me on like twitter and she said i wanted to get into writing and she's like let me give this girl a chance and to this day like her and i are best of friends how did and you get to
0: florida what were you doing in <laughs> florida don't try well, to she glaze like- over that <laughs>
1: I wasn't in Florida so she was she's actually from Toronto originally Mm -hmm. she moved to Atlanta and she was living in Florida at the time so she was working at a magazine in Florida a regional in, in Florida and then when she got back to Atlanta, she was at the other Atlanta magazine. Right. So she kind of just, again, she just kind of took me under and she became a mentor, but she's also a very good friend to me. And that just happened totally organically.
0: So I read somewhere on the internet that you like reading memoirs. What are you reading yes. now? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I love a juicy memoir. So I was, I just actually finished this book called After the Dance, My Life with Marvin Gaye, and it was written by his ex-wife, Jan yeah. Gaye. They were exes, but they were still very much intertwined by the end of his life. And it was just so such an interesting book to read about her life with him completely from her perspective because all you really hear about is his life right yeah if you were to hear about anything you know all these years later but it was just such a juicy book and there's so many other people in that book that you would not expect to be in it Mm -hmm. and they're in it who's in it Oh, my gosh! She talks about the Jackson. She talks about All Richard of them? Lawson. She, uh, she talks about Michael and then a few of the other brothers. She talks about Rick James. <laughs> she talks about Frankie Beverly. She talks about Teddy. It's just so interesting to see the messiness that people got into back then when there wasn't cell phones or screenshots. It was just so good. After the dance. <laughs> what else should um, we read?
0: So So I'm asking because I'm making more time for reading. I realized (laughs) that I've spent too much time on the internet. I complain about people spending time on Instagram. That's all I do. I have a time tracker. Do you use that time? No, I try
1: to, like, not be on my phone as much. Like, when I'm done work, I try to not be on it.
0: I try. I spent... 5 hours last week on Instagram per day. That's an insane amount of time. That's a lot of time to spend on Instagram. Yeah. And then I like try to feel superior. I'm like I don't use Facebook. Like whenever someone <laughs> says I posted something on it, I'm like I don't use it. But yeah, I spend all I my actually, life on Instagram.
1: I actually permanently deleted my Facebook page like 2 years ago. It was the best thing I've ever done. Seriously. And t- I think it was in 2017 I deactivated my Instagram and I didn't have it for like a whole year. It was great.
0: What did you do with all that extra time? You I, read more
1: books. I enjoyed my life. Yeah. I went out. I didn't feel the need to post it for everyone else to see. I just like had a good time.
0: You go out in the city. You live in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And you like to have a good time. You like to yeah. But sometimes go to I the also movies. Because just... here's what I would talk to my friends about. is like, I like going to the movies, but I don't need someone to go with me. I enjoy yeah. going by myself. At a 10 a.m. matinee on a Saturday. And that's what I enjoy doing.
1: I also just like to sometimes just sit at home and just like turn off my phone. It's really nice to just like disconnect. And I think because we're so connected these days, it's like you're stripping yourself of something when I you don't have your working phone. Working in
0: this industry and being in New York does that to you. I feel like you're always having to go to an event or having yes. to meet with people. And it's just like so good to just be at home. Exactly. And you don't always get that luxury. You don't
1: always get that luxury. So, and I mean, you're paying rent. So it's like, (laughs) you better enjoy your house. You're paying for it, you know? So yeah, I just, I really like love alone time when I can get it.
0: But you gave me one book recommendation. (laughs) I just told you I'm trying to read more. So after I read her book, I
1: actually bought Marvin Gaye. He didn't write it, but it was like a different person that had interviewed him for years and years and years. So now I'm reading about his entire life. And it's super interesting. And I really want to read Rick James's memoir because I feel like there's a lot of mess in that one. I feel like that's super juicy. So I would definitely get into that too.
0: (laughs) Memoir reader. Okay. I love it. Of course, this is a fashion podcast. So tell me about your favorite outfit, whether it was from growing up or a future outfit that you imagine wearing. It can't be like your pajamas on a Saturday. So for me, example, my favorite outfit was from, I would think I was four. It was my first day of kindergarten, and I planned this outfit out. It was like a green plaid skirt. I can picture it in my head. I don't have a picture of it like anywhere else. It's just I remember picking it out, and it just made me feel so good and excited and ready to take on the first day of kindergarten. So what is your favorite outfit, past or future?
1: I love it. I actually have this one beige crochet dress. And I love it because it just reminds me of being on vacation. Mm -hmm. And I always wear it on vacation. Do you wear it any other time? Not really because it's a little bit too... (laughs) Risqué. It's a little bit too risqué. But it's like my vacation dress. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And that's like my favorite outfit.
0: So where have you vacationed in this beige crochet dress? Jamaica. Jamaica? Always Jamaica. So I've already researched your jamaican yes. heritage. <laughs> and so am i so are you one of the jamaicans that only go to jamaica yeah. for a holiday you are i am because
1: i've gone other places and to me i'm just like it's not as it's, good as jamaica i'm like <laughs> such a nationalist when it comes to jamaica like i'm so patriotic when it comes to jamaica
0: oh my yeah. goodness you're like my friend she went to carnival in april it's oh, like, in Jamaica, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was there for like two months. Like, yeah. she's not Jamaican, first of all, but <laughs> she's Jamaican. She's a. There's but, so many people who are Jamaican. <laughs> yes, but she just loves the culture and she loves yeah. being there. What do you like doing in Jamaica? I'm oh not my God, a so everything. for vacation. I'm not a beach person. I'm more of a city person. So really, ma- that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah,
1: I love cities. When I'm on vacation, I literally just want to do nothing. <laughs> OK, like I want to chill. I want to like, I don't know, there's just something about being in Jamaica that makes me very happy and it makes me feel very like, vibrant and rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. Being in the water, mm-hmm. is like everything like Negril is my spot because mm-hmm. it's the best beach in the country. The food, the sun, you just I don't know, I just feel so moisturized and blessed when I'm there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the only phrase I can say to describe it. I just feel so good when I'm there and it's like my happy place.
0: I'm going to bring it back to fashion. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of your daily reads? What do you have to read as soon as you start your day?
1: I'm usually reading people's things that I'm editing and stuff like that. But when I'm not... Outside of work, I love to read WWD, BOF. Um, The cut is consistently good. Mm -hmm. I also think that right now, whether it's print or digital, I think Essence, for example, is doing some of the most beautiful editorial spreads Mm -hmm. right now. Like their Issa Rae shoot was beautiful. Alicia Keys was gorgeous. Lizzo was like out of I love world. that Lizzo was like wow like they are really doing the damn thing it stopped me right yes. also I think and I'm, this is not just me being biased but I think Bustle does really amazing shoots mm-hmm. too I think uh, the shoots we do are just gorgeous and we're a small but mighty team that do it it just it consistently is beautiful and I'm blown away by the team there I just think the industry is in a, in a good place where the photos that we're producing and the things that we're doing are just gorgeous especially like with black women too Mm -hmm. it's just like vibrant and beautiful yeah
0: so about bustle your good hair package that you do for bustle yeah so like that is so gorgeous so as a woman with 4c hair who transitioned in 2007 when it was not a popular thing to do wow reading about other women's stories how did that come about
1: i think for me really i just i saw that we have talked about natural hair, we've normalized it for the most part. But then it's like there's still that little push that we need to give ourselves to kind of accept all natural hair types because as much as we've gotten to a point where it's like, okay, curly hair is beautiful and it's acceptable, there's still that one little section of natural hair that we're not accepting still, and it's the super kinky, coily hair. And, you know, we've always used the terms like, bad hair to talk about that and to describe it and when we use those types of we use that type of terminology to describe a hair type what are women and girls with that hair type supposed to think of themselves Mm -hmm. you know they're going to constantly want to change the structure of their hair in order to have good hair and that's acceptable so for me i just really thought okay how can we push the natural hair conversation forward and not talk about the same things we've kind of talked about already or just let's accept natural hair blah 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 but it's like okay let's push it forward and let's talk about this specific hair type that doesn't get the love that other hair types do and let's celebrate it let's not talk about the horrible things that people have gone through with it but let's talk about like the joyfulness of having this hair type and what people love about it.
0: Did you get a lot of support from your team there? Was it easy to pitch this? Obviously, you yeah, felt comfortable. Yeah,
1: or... totally. Like, I think my team is so open to doing anything that they haven't done before, haven't tried before. There's never, I've never had an issue with, like, pushback at this company or anything like that. It's like anything I do, they're like, okay, how can we do this? What what makes the most sense to do? It's always very encouraging.
0: So I think we've come to the point of my segment. It's called Faux or Fashion. (laughs) And so it's a game where I'm going to read you a couple headlines and you're going to tell me whether it's a real headline or it's a fake headline. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Faux or Fashion. A French fashion editor slapped a publicist at a show during New York Fashion Week. Is this faux or fashion?
1: Can you tell me what year that happened? 2012. I mean, I wouldn't doubt that that happened. So I, <laughs> You
0: have to think. I mean, I, uh, is it faux or fashion?
1: I'll say fashion because I just I wouldn't doubt that that happened. That is so true. It's true. Yes. OK, yeah. So, like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the French slapper, this is a quote from the New York Post. She said, I didn't hurt her. I just wanted to humiliate her. She humiliated me and humiliated me in front of the entire crew. So, voila. Dang. So, yeah. She was removed from a front row seat. So, she felt humiliated and needed to reciprocate. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, next headline. A swimsuit that can't be used in a swimming pool is retailing for $380. I believe that. Yes, that is that. fashion. Yeah. So Gucci debuted a sporty one-piece swimsuit that you cannot use in a swimming pool. It cannot touch chlorine, and it costs three hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah. There yeah. are a lot
1: of bathing suits and swimsuits that you can't really swim in. <laughs> they're just they're just there. Yeah, to it look costs three hundred eighty dollars. Yeah. No Gucci. No. Yeah, I mean not that Gucci. would definitely not be me. But <laughs> for those who just want to lay around, and take pictures, sure. <laughs>
0: Okay, last headline. A British retailer set aflame $38 million worth of merchandise so that other people wouldn't be work- walking around in their designer goods. Oh, that's
1: that's fashion. Yes, that yeah. is fashion.
0: Yeah, 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 I remember that specifically. I couldn't remember the number
1: of things, like the dollar amount of things that they burned, but I know that story, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was Burberry. Yep. So they burned their merchandise so that. They could keep the exclusivity of the brand and the scarcity in the market. So actually, France, they put in legislation to ban that practice. Mm-hmm. So that's good on Macron. Yeah, for <laughs> But yeah. Well, thank you. Is That's it. That was our little chat. Cool. Thank, thank you. you. That was great. That was this fun. That was fun. <laughs> so tell us where we can find you on Al Gore's internet. Al Gore's <laughs> It's Beyoncé's internet. Okay. so (laughs) So all my
1: socials are at Kayla A. Greaves. All
0: right.